Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. The Houndsman XP Podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Have you ever had the desire to be at the top of your game? Have you ever wondered what it's like to have a coon hound that is special and also one that leads the historical reproducers list? Have you ever considered the hours it takes to train a hound like this and then to campaign that hound and then win with the hound and then convince people to bring their good females to you to breed to your stud dog and then the dog has to produce winners, not to mention that it is very helpful if you're a likable person, if you're a good dude. And that's exactly what we get 
when we talk to Micah Ayers and we tell the story about Batman, a black and tan coonhound that leads the historical reproducers list. You're going to hear all the stats in this podcast, but the main thing that impressed me the most was how genuine Micah was. And seriously, folks, he is a legitimate good dude. And visiting with him and sitting down and talking to him and capturing this conversation was an absolute pleasure for me. And it's my privilege to share this story with you on the Houndsman XP podcast. This one's a dandy, folks. The old South Dog Box is rocking. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Briar Creek Kennels is your complete hound hunting outfitter. Boots, lights, collars, and tracking equipment. Dog boxes, kennel supplies, collars, clothes, squalors. Whew, they have it all. Briar Creek Kennel is a garment and dog trade dealer. Owner Chris Girth will ensure Briar Creek Kennel customers will get top of the industry customer service. Whether you purchase from their website or you find them at a major coonhound event, Chris and his staff will share expert knowledge and experience about every product they offer. Chris Girth is a top competitor and breeder of hounds. He knows what gear you need to be successful. Look for Briar Creek Kennels on the web for a complete online store or look at their fully stocked trailer at any major coonhound event. Briar Creek Kennels, offering a hound hunting public generations of excellence. My dad, um, he had built it back when I was probably about three or four year old so i'm fixing to be 35 this year so it's been up here for probably about 30 years now yeah how many acres you got here uh i don't know now you don't know no because where he bought the sections you know along with it i would say it's close to uh i'd say it's probably getting close to 60 because i think it was in 15 15 acre strips Mm mm-hmm and then I don't know how many strips he's got now. So when your great-grandfather owned it all, was the original house here and stuff? No. no he just he, owned the property. He, he just, just owned, owned the land. Pro- yeah. He owned land kindly in spots across the county. Yeah. And then um, actually at the end of this gravel road that we come in on, I can take you by it. There's a pink house. And it's kind of a landmark of this place. It's just a little big old pink house. Yeah. Um, he was... He lived there at one point in time, mm-hmm. and then he lived in another little white house on around the hill that he eventually moved to later on in life. And then my granny and grandpa, they they lived there for a little while when they got married. So, and it's kind of been the family for a long time up until just here recently. And how my grandfather done that part is he split it up into heirs, mm-hmm. each in, each individual person. Like, I even had a share of it. it. It just went down through the line. Yeah. And um, it was kind of a, a mess, to, <laughs> you know, after it, it went on through time. But It yeah. looked good on paper. It was yeah. a good idea when he started. Yeah, but it, it, it's ended up being a little bit of a mess now. But The intentions were good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So how long has your family been in Kentucky? Have you ever traced it back? Uh, now, my dad is from Stinking Creek, Tennessee. Okay. And that's where all his family originated from. Mm -hmm. Now, my mother and all of her family, yeah, we've been here for a long time. She goes back into the Binghams, and this county is is probably 
I'd say 30% Bingham's. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a big family name here. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're here to talk about black and tan coonhounds. I want to talk to you about uh, – we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, Micah. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you sitting down to talk to me. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I I admitted we're we're going we're going to run a different podcast here on Monday uh with Jeff Woods mm-hmm. and uh I think I admitted in that podcast that that I am I've been around black and tan coon hounds for since I was 13 years old but I've never been a student of black and tan coon hounds and uh, I don't know when was it when probably Early 2000s, I started seeing this dog named Batman popping up. Mm -hmm. When was he alive? Uh, He was born in 2008. Okay, so it was later. Yeah, later in the 2000s. Okay. Yeah, and he's still alive to this day. Is he really? Yeah. yeah, Well, I thought he had to be deceased to be on the historical list. No, no, it's just... uh, I'm showing my ignorance even more about historical lists. Um, well, when you get to a certain percentage uh-huh. and then like number of percentages, like the current, that's how they rank the current. And then, yeah. and then once they get on the historical list, I think he's been on the historical list since he's been about eight year old, but it's a number of pups, how many pups he's had titled. Yeah. That's how you get on the historical list. And he's number one. Mm-hmm. And what do you have? 63? Uh, 63 no, title dogs? No, he's got 90, 94, 95 now. He's got 63 grands, I think. I think Probably, yeah. Champions. I just looked it up. I was doing some homework. Yeah, so, nope, he's got 62 night champions. He's got 33 grands mm-hmm. for a total of 95 out of 570, 587 pups. 800 and some pups. Well, the 500 is probably permanently one, registered. Yeah, permanently registered. Yeah. That's still impressive. That's still impressive. So I started seeing this name, and I was actually thinking, I think I told Jeff this on our podcast, but it's not that I've ever had it. It's the only breed of hound that I haven't mm-hmm. owned or haven't hunted. Yeah. Started out with English dogs and, and hunted red bones. I've hunted mountain curs. Of all things, you know, I've I've been uh, bear hunting with plots for a few years now, and coon hunting with plots and blue ticks and the whole nine yards. It, it's I never considered myself a breeder, and I always like sitting down with these guys that have stuck with it for a long time. But when I started seeing Batman I'm popping up, I actually started looking around. I was like, okay, what's what's this dog? You know, mm-hmm. Kentucky River Batman. I kept seeing it, kept seeing it, kept seeing it. I watched what you guys were doing. I was watching what you were winning. I was watching what you guys were reproducing out of Batman. Every time a post popped up on the UKC, you know, who would you recommend for a, a black and tan stud dog? Batman, Batman, Batman. Besides a cool name, I mean, that's mm-hmm. marketing genius all on its own. <laughs> well, that was my nephew that named him. Is my, that right? Yeah, my brother didn't uh, at the time. We bought Batman. We was hunting. Me and my brother both was hunting pups off his mother, Chigger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Went for Tony Grubb, and um, ended up Batman. Um, he, Tony would give us pups and give us pups, but he wouldn't give us one of these pups when they was born. Yeah. He told my brother if he wanted one, he'd take. I think it was five hundred bucks. He said, uh, "I am." 
He said, if you're going to get one of these, you're going to have to buy it. And Shane said, okay. Well, time come for him to come down there and go get it. Shane wouldn't ever go get it. And it ended up, Batman was the run the lender and the <laughs> one that nobody wanted. And I told Shane, I think there's another guy, I think Nathan, he still hadn't got his yet. And I told Shane, I said, if you want one of these pups, you better come down here and get it if you don't want the run. Yeah. And he's like, well, won't you just bring one of these home? I said, no, I want you to come down here and look at them and, and pick which one you want and take it home. Right. Well, ended up, he got the run. And brought him to the house. And my nephew at the time, I think he was four, maybe five, something yeah. like that. And he was really big in Batman at the time. Right. And Shane was trying to get him to name him something. And he said, Batman. That's what we'll name him. And yeah. Shane was tore all two pieces. He did not want to name that dog Batman. <laughs> and I loved it. I was like, no, that's that's a pretty good name. Yeah. He's like, I'm not naming this dog Batman. And uh that's how that come about. So tell me about tell me about what, what Batman's out of. Let's let's go down a, a little history lesson on some black and tan bloodlines because I, I need it. <laughs> and probably some of our audience does too. But uh he was out of a Kentucky River chigger, yeah. chigger, and then what was a sire? Uh, Crockett's Black Newt, owned by Mike Crockett. Yeah. So tell me about tell me the, about the Newt side first. I never did get to hunt with Newt. Um, Newt is probably, I mean, for as many pups as he had, and you can see on there, I think he had 188 pups, and he's on the historical list. Mm -hmm. um, he was just a freak of nature when it comes to reproducing i mean he, he sired black hawk um blackout um they was I, I know i'm gonna be missing several but he threw a lot of well-named dogs that done a lot of winning and also done a lot of reproducing too um and I'm, he um there was some females out of him I mean, and plus, like, Wendy right now, she's out of a full brother to Batman. But, you know, you, anywhere you see some of these top reproducing hounds, a lot of them goes back to Newt somewhere. Mm -hmm. He was a lot like set him a base, you yeah. know, uh, back in the day. And and he only had a few number of pups. Yeah, Newt's got 188 pups, registered pups. Mm -hmm. That's That's not right. Pups reproduce. Let's look at that number. Newt had 188 pups reproduced, 140 permanently registered, 17 knights, 18 grand knights out of that. Out of that, so, and his percentage is 18.62 percent. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good when you're talking about when you start scattering that the pups out to different people and you can't control where they go, but to hit that eight, you know, anything above 15 percent, oh yeah, is doing doing really well and and plus he died at i think he was mike could tell you better i think he was seven right i mean he didn't even live a full life mm -hmm. so it's on telling what he could have done you know if he would have been bred two more you know yeah so where'd newt come from what's what's his pedigree look like newt is out of southern gauge which is a uh, full brother to set him up ace out of a younger litter okay so him and uh, set him up ace is basically the same thing, but he's a younger litter, um, which would have been Lafoon Super Sting and Sugar Cookie. 
Okay. And then Newt's bottom side, um, I'm wanting to think it was out of a jet female. So you, you go back into. It came from Ed Mead's place. Mm-hmm. Blue tick. No, well, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can get a little lost. It's been a long time since I've no, sat I'm down. Just, and, I'm and giving the, you a hard time. <laughs> I just, I just, I, that's how much I know about the, the black and tan breed really Mm -hmm. uh super i mean i'm i'm like very ignorant on black and tans um but i've been around some great ones i've you know i hunted with juice jeff wood's juice dog when jeff when juice was alive Mm -hmm. um i've seen bad to the bones uh what's that dog's name black hawk was it bad to the bones black hawk yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah black hawk didn't I've hunted with it. I've hunted with Black Blackhawk. Dean Miller owned him. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, well, Mike Crockett and Stephen Gamble started him. And they done a little winning with him there. And then <laughs> Dean bought him off them. And then uh, Dean ended up selling him to Roger Shables. Mm-hmm. And Roger kept him for probably two or three years. And then they sold him back to Dean. Right. And then Dean put him in the hands of Timmy Waters. Yeah. And Timmy took him to, I think he placed him fifth in the ukc world hunt one year and then he got him in the finals i think two years of the akc world hunt yep matter of fact tell you a quick story about blackhawk they should have won they should have won that final at the akc world hunt i was standing out there um i was calling all the call they were radioing to me the scores and i was calling them back into the headquarters it was right there in greensburg indiana <clears throat> and they turned those dogs loose, and we went, hunted the whole cast in the same area. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to hear most of it until a walker dog. Was it Zeb? Is it one of the Zeb dogs or wipeout dogs? I can't remember. There's been I, – I, I can't remember which uh, finals that one was. If it was in Indiana, I think that was the first year he got into the final yes. four. And the second year he got in the final four, it was in Ohio. Because mm-hmm. uh, – um, I ended up breeding Superman's mommy, and that's how. And then I took her up there to meet Dean Miller, and they was up there, and I got to, you yeah. know, be there at that final four. So that final four, I I watched the whole thing. We had two dogs that circled back around passes. There's a little black and tan female in that cast too. And they treat a coon not 300 yards from me, but I stood there and I feel like I witnessed one of the most perfect casts that I'd ever seen. Uh, perfect performances by a dog in a cast. Blackhawk really didn't get out of pocket much, and he treed coon after coon after coon, and then it came down to a big leafy maple tree at the end of the hunt. The the wipeout dog was, I'm, I'm sure it was a wipeout dog, was way out of pocket, and it came down to that. Blackhawk didn't have his coon, and they found the coon in this tree way out of pocket. But mm-hmm. he, I actually stood there and listened to every strike and every tree he made all the way in that farm. It was awesome. He had a heck of a mouth. He did. Yeah. Big, pretty clear mouth. Mm-hmm. I had all the dogs in my garments, so I could I could see which directions they were, so I knew which direction to be listening for. And he didn't get – he never got into the little numbers on the garment, you know, like mm-hmm. .6 or anything like that. It was, it was all within 900 yards of where we sh- cut him loose. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he went in there and treated every raccoon he could yep. in that time frame. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And he was a – he's a half-brother. 
Yeah, to Batman. A, yeah, he's a half brother to him. Yep, yep, yeah. It was good. It was good. So there's definitely something there. What about set him up, Ace? You know, you see, he's an uncle to to Batman, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. uh, what kind of dog did you ever hunt with Ace? No, I never did get to hunt with Ace. Where did, where was he, and who owned him? Um, I think Eddie Muse started him, mm-hmm. and I know the guy that ended up with him, close friend of mine, real close friend of mine, Jimmy Reese and Brian Reese out of Tennessee, Pikeville, Tennessee. Yeah, they ended up with him, and he died. I think at at their house. But his story, I think he got, you know, switched around a couple of times before he ended up at Jimmy's house. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of by Eddie Muse. And there was another guy, I cannot think of his name off the top of my head. Um, but they was the ones that kind of done a little bit of stuff with him. And then Jimmy and them ended up with him. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll reel it back in here to Batman. <laughs> and uh, I want to talk about Chigger a little bit and and find out why you guys why you guys wanted a pup out of that and not only that but why your uncle wanted to charge you money to get a pup out of that <laughs> <laughs> well tony tony grubb is just like a brother to me and my brother uh him and aaron gray both. is he your uncle did you Nuh-uh. say he was your uncle no okay might as well be i guess you yeah. can say i mean i've looked up to him for a lot of years yeah. i mean my first black and tan come from him um he's the one that got me into it he's the one that helped me study this stuff yeah i mean he's the one that that done a lot of leg work um we started hunting pups out chigger for him when i was probably 17 16 17 year old and i I'd hunted dogs for a lot of people up until that point. I know I was young, but I hunted a lot. People would send me dogs to hunt for them. Yeah. Um, I'd get uh, pups out of different stuff. I had red bones, English, you name it, I had it. Right. Um, if you but, want a dog broke, send it down to Micah. Well, I don't know about that. I, I would at least hunt it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's half the battle right there. But now, um, I nothing that I hunted at the time. I always wanted something that, you know, first off, tree coons, but I wanted something that was a little bit more independent than mm-hmm. most. You know, at that time, you know, dogs has changed a lot in the last 15, 20 years. Um, Hold well, on to that thought because we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but then, you know, everybody wanted that first strike, first tree dog. All dogs was together. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of times you'd end up with a lot of slicks because you'd have dogs competing for that first tree and then they'd slam a tree. And then I didn't, I really wasn't into that. Right. I wanted a dog that was a little bit more independent. I didn't care if I had first strike or not. I just wanted dog tree coons and it not be with them dogs. But and, why wouldn't you want first strike? I mean, you're giving up, you're giving, I, and this is for people that might not be into competition. Hunting. We're going to lay this out for them. Uh, but tell me why you're not concerned about those strike points. Because if you're hunting low end, you I mean you could be striking in for 25, and then if dogs aren't treated together, the most you're ever going to get is 25, and you got to mm-hmm. make up a coon. And, and so, that's the part is you got to have a dog that hustles enough and scrappy enough to you know, get that tree, go score it. Hopefully you're treed first, yeah, and then you get recut while them dogs are still trying to, you know, get treed. Yeah, um, but I've been beat. 
Oh, and I have. I've been, been too. beat and I've won in those one hour casts where you didn't get that first run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by I the have. time you get done walking all four trees, you're walking back with a scorecard that your name, you know, you're not carrying that scorecard back to the clubhouse. No. <laughs> but now there's, you know, I don't know. It's just something that I've always wanted a dog that was independent. Mm-hmm. That wanted to, didn't have to have no help tree a cone. Yeah. Um, if it treated with another dog at that time, that was fine. Cause it, you know, nowadays things has got better as far as for us handlers to train dogs, you know, with the garments and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking at a time when you just had beep beeps. Right. Um, so it was a little bit harder back then to get a independent, they had to have that natural ability mm-hmm. and this line that, that Chigger was out of, you know, Chigger through that independency not every pup was that way but you could find what you was sort of looking for in that mm-hmm. and they would have that natural instinct of being by themselves, um or at least they was trainable to do that yeah and that's kind of why i stuck with that line um and going back to uh why we wanted a pup out of newt and jigger is because of newt yeah he wasn't all that popular then at the time when he bred her to, to newt but we knew that you know he's got a lot of nice pups out there mm-hmm. throwing a big mouth in his pups and we just want to try it and that's that's kind of how that come about is blackhawk older than batman mm-hmm. okay mm, by about three years i think okay yeah, I think there's a three years difference. Yeah. Now, Batman, um, actually, I was just talking to Mike about it at Black and Tan Days, which we've talked about it numerous times because I, when I go to the Winter Classic, I always go stay with Mike. Mm-hmm. But I think that Batman was the last litter or second to the last litter out of Newt. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up dying. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. It just... With Blackhawk doing all his winning and then Batman come along, Batman's still yet to this day. I've still not ever had a pup out of Batman that was as loud as him. Yeah. Um, he was a real loud dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and Blackhawk, you, you've you witnessed it. I mean, yeah. he had a killer mouth, and I feel like that Newt put a lot of that in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chiggers, a lot of Chiggers dogs had good mouths, but not nothing like what that Newt litter did. Mm-hmm. That Newt litter had a just a notch above everything else yeah what else what else is there about about the pups that came out of newt that were drawing you that direction besides the winning you know we're talking confirmation we're talking trackability we're talking brains we're talking drive you know what was it uh at that time nothing really just i, I was wanting to pup out newt you know <laughs> just like yeah. like anything else it was just uh just the thought of having a pup out newt at that How time. How old were you at the time? I was 20, 23, 22. No, I was 22. Yeah. So you're still relatively, I mean, when we're 22 years old, we think we know what we want. Right. And, and I, yeah. And, and so you made a good choice by getting <laughs> Batman for sure. Uh, but I know how that is, you know. My son, right now, 20 years old, be 21, 
He wants, he's, he's got a motorcycle. Why well, you got a motorcycle? He wants a motorcycle. <laughs> you know, so he's riding a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the way our brains work at that age. Ours works in coon dogs. His working in motorcycles. You right. know? Uh, and he doesn't want just any motorcycle. He wants that Yamaha, whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think we just, uh, we all go down that road of when you get enough years of hunting, then you get to that point where you're watching what's going on around you and you're like man that might be something mm -hmm. did you have that feeling about about newt and chigger yeah in a way um i did but i don't know it was just the at that time and and plus my memory is is foggy a little bit when it goes back to me trying to remember why i wanted a pup out of that it's just i you know, you'd hear it about Black Hawk because at that time he was a young pup mm -hmm. doing real good. Yep. I just heard a little bit. Mike Crockett at that time, he was winning a lot of stuff. Um, I just wanted a pup out of him. Yeah. Yeah. It, were you a black and tan guy prior to getting Batman? Yeah, I just had, you know, I had been hunting black and tans probably five years at that time. Mm -hmm. How old I, were you when you started hunting? How old I started hunting? Probably about nine when I started. I mean, my brother and my papa would always take me, and Rick Vickers, they'd take me um, here and there. Mm -hmm. You know, they wouldn't take me all the time, but they, and I really didn't absolutely love it. I knew I liked it. Yeah. I didn't absolutely love it until I got about nine, 10 year old. And then um, my brother got me a Walker dog. And I'm surprised you went back. <laughs> now, it wasn't no count we've but, hey josh michaelis has spent so much time slobbering over walker dogs in this podcast i'm gonna take my <laughs> i'm gonna take my opportunity now it wasn't no count i can't even remember what it was out of but he did get me a walker dog and once i got that dog i started just wanting to hunt yeah and then my buddy rick vickers he's hunted uh red bones his whole entire life he had some pretty good red bones at the time well, when we'd go with him, most of the time his dogs treat the coons. Yeah. You know, and I always wanted a dog like that. And then my brother ended up getting a dog, a black and tan called Molly off Tony Barnes out of Mount Vernon. Mm -hmm. And then it went from Rick's dogs treating the coons all the time to Molly was treating all these coons. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. You know, and uh, I ended up. I was still hunting. I was hunting red bones. I was hunting everything. Right. And then I talked my brother into uh, trading whatever dog I had at the time, but trading it off. And we called Tony Grubb. He was working at a dealership down here, down from us. And Shane said, I can get you a black and tan pup if you want it. And I called Tony. And I had saved up. I had big piggy banks. In my room. <laughs> I'd save quarters forever. Yep. And then plus mom and dad, they'd give me all their quarters and all that. I counted quarters for probably two days. Nonstop. I counted every change I could find. Tony gave me a price. Is um, It was a pup out of Ivy Grove. No, it was a litter mate to Ivy Grove River X. It was out of uh, Rex, Jeff Nelson's Rex dog, and one of uh, Hayward Ivy's females. Mm -hmm. And it was about eight months old at the time. It was run tree in cage coons, run tree a coon by itself. 
and Tony told me he'd take $800 for it. Mm -hmm. So I saved up and, and I bought that dog. And then when we got down there, my dad told him, he said, yeah, he'd been saving up quarters for two days. He's been counting them every day for two days, trying to buy this dog. He ended up taking 500 for it. <laughs> so that's how I ended how much, up with my How much do you have in quarters? Did you have an, enough in quarters to buy it? Yes. So you roll, all the change. Did I, you roll in there with piggy banks? No, I ended up. My you dad should took have. <laughs> you should have been like, I got your money. My dad took me to the bank and we, we, we ended up cashing all them rolls of quarters and rolls of pennies and dimes, everything I had. We took them up there and I, I got $800 and I went to Barville to go pick him up. Hmm. I think if some kid rolled in my house with, with a jug full of quarters said, I've been counting these things for two days. I'm going to buy that dog. I'd just be like, I don't even want to know how much is in the jug. If you've been counting quarters and saving for that long, <laughs> just give me the jug and take the dog. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's a cool story, man. Yeah. So, so how old were you then? 15, 14? I was probably 13, 13. 12 or 13 yeah. year old at the time. And then I got him, and then I, I plus I had him, and then I was still hunting, you know, other dogs at the time too. Mm -hmm. But now he ended up making a pretty nice dog. Yeah. And um, then I went, got in high school. I took a little wild hair. I ended up selling him. Sure. And then when I got back into it, I bought another dog off Tony. Well, let's back up to thirteen. You mm -hmm. say you're you, you don't make nice dogs by not hunting. You didn't have driver's license. How'd you hunt? My papa and mainly Rick Vickers. Rick Vickers, anytime I would call that man, he'd come pick me up. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the time. It didn't matter if it was snowing outside. He was religious about coming and picking me up, taking me coon hunting. Did he like coon hunting that much, or did he like you coon hunting that much? He loved coon hunting. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm sure you know he he enjoyed you know getting me out and starting me and all that. I'm sure he enjoyed all that. Yeah, because uh, I still hunt with him to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, but he he did he he. I wish to goodness that I could be that kind of person to do that for some kid, but now he done it for me. Yeah, and I do still try to do that to kids, but I mean I call him all the time, almost every night. And he come pick me up. Man, I hope you're enjoying this episode with Micah Ayers talking about Batman and lineage and getting our starting and hunting. There's a lot more good stuff on the other side of this. But right now, we need to talk about our awesome sponsors. I know, I know, nobody likes commercials. But I want to explain to you how important it is to have companies out there that are willing to invest their money into shows like this that teach us and give us inspiration and enter entertain us. And most importantly, puts a, a show out there or attaches their name to a show that is out there to make hunting with hounds mainstream because of you, our listeners, and because of our sponsors, houndsman XP is one of the most downloaded podcasts in the outdoor industry. I get messages from bird hunters, deer hunters, trappers, all kinds of people that are listening to this show and appreciate it because you have made it important for you and these sponsors have made it important to them because they want to support this lifestyle we all lead. So real quick shout out to a couple sponsors. 
One sponsor that has been with me since the beginning is Dogs Are Treed. Kevin and Nancy Hall have been friends. I've visited them in their homes. We've recorded podcasts in their homes. They've been on the show, but they do more than just produce product. It's all top quality product. You can find it all at Dogs Are Treed. But Kevin and Nancy Hall recently sent prize packages to a PKC youth hunt in Virginia, all the way from Idaho, because they know how important the future is for our hound sports and our lifestyle. So check out Dogs Are Treed at dogsartreed.com. And when you enter the promo code HXP20% off at checkout, you'll get 20% off your order. We've also got some hats over there, but shop for the products first and then throw a hat in. Don't just go there to buy our hats. They got the best equipment in the industry as far as leashes, tieouts, paws are protected, dogs are hydrated. I mean, the list goes on and on. So check them out. I also want to give a shout out to LW Nixon at Cajun Lights. If you haven't looked at a Cajun light lately, you should check that out. I know we run the truth on Friday, but here's some truth about the light industry. Almost all of these light manufacturers are using the same components to build these lights. The bell housing for the front, the battery box in the back, the batteries. It all comes down to the quality in which that light is manufactured. But then on the other side, more importantly, is when you have a problem, what kind of customer service are you going to get? I've spent enough time with L.W. Nixon to know that he is in the business of customer service. And you should check out Cajun Lights at CajunLights.com. Finally, I want to talk about Freedom Hunters. If you are not following them on Facebook, you're doing yourself a great disservice. Or Instagram or wherever you can find them on Go Wild. They're there as well. Freedom Hunters is a nonprofit organization that benefits veterans of the military and Gold Star family members and takes them on outdoor adventures. Houndsman XP from the very beginning has partnered with Freedom Hunters to coordinate all of the hound hunting adventures. We've taken veterans on hog hunts in the South, deer hunts, coon hunts, hog hunts, bear hunts, lion hunts. It's all there. And there's an opportunity for you to get involved as well. All you have to do is go to freedomhunters.org, fill out a volunteer application, and start hosting America's Heroes for a Freedom Hunters adventure today. Our freedoms have been paid for by the sacrifices of these men and women, and we can pay it back by getting them out there. We'll be doing ourselves a favor by exposing them and showing them what being a houndsman and hunting with hounds is really all about. Go to freedomhunters.org. Check them out. You can make a donation there. You can find out where the fundraisers are. You can attend a fundraiser for them. From field to field, check out Freedom Hunters. Let's get back to our interview with Micah Ayers. No kidding. Mm -hmm. It, that is so important for a young a young kid to experience that. I had some people like that in my life too. I didn't really kick it into high gear until you know I had a driver's license and stuff like that. It was mostly just where I could walk from the house mm -hmm. uh lived out eastern 
farmland there of Indiana, and uh, man, I walked miles. I mean, I'd have mom or dad. Mom and dad didn't. My dad didn't hunt coon hunt. He couldn't figure out why I wanted to go out in the dark and do that. Mm -hmm. But I'd have him drive me over the next, you know, two blocks away, two mile square sections away, and drop me off on a creek that ran right back to the house. Mm -hmm. And the dogs, I mean, we weren't, like you said, we weren't hunting the same dogs. Mm -hmm. So you could hunt your way back and not walk 20 miles to get home for two, you know? Right. So it was a little bit different. But it sounds like your story is kind of the same. Yeah, and then Papaw, um, every time he'd go, he'd make sure that I went. What kind of dogs did he hunt? He hunted a little everything. He had blue ticks. He had black and tans. He had uh, walkers. He had, he had whatever was going to tree a coon mm -hmm. for him. Yep, whatever it would tree a coon. Did he keep a lot of dogs or no. did he just keep one or two? He only kept one or two dogs. That's all he'd ever keep. Yeah. I I know a lot of guys like that back in the day. You know, they just have one or two dogs out there. They they get with a buddy and go coon hunting and, mm -hmm. and didn't keep a whole kennel full. I think that was more of a throwback or a carryover from you know when they didn't have a lot of money and and depression era type stuff and they grew up when times were hard and they mm -hmm. couldn't afford to have a bunch of dogs sitting around that they they weren't hunting right um my dad you know he always loved squirrel hunting he'd go coon hunting some but he never did love it uh papa was the main one that yeah, that's that was his deal he loved coon hunting yeah um he always wouldn't see me and my brother both coon hunt um even like when mom she'd always throw a fit by like you know he can't go coon hunting at school night and he'd throw a fit on her <laughs> and so he'd, he'd, he'd always point his crooked finger at her and he'd say hey he said now if them boys is out there coon hunting they ain't into nothing else they're out there chasing a hound yeah you need to leave them alone let them go coon hunting yeah mom mom was always like that too I, I was the oldest of six and uh they never understood it but mom was always like hey my brother that's 13 months younger than me he he got a, not trouble trouble but he was a little more wild than i was as far as partying and girls and stuff like that mom will tell you that she never did worry about me and that's a good thing because I probably did some things while I was out coon hunting that I shouldn't have been doing. Right. <laughs> uh, I could tell you about the night of with a bottle of peach brandy and losing dog leashes and all kinds of stuff and leaving a dog in the woods and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I uh, wasn't innocent by any means, but but there is something to that, you know, when you raise them like that and you get a kid that likes to hunt like that then it keeps them out of a lot of, a lot of trouble. That kept me out of a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, I played basketball all the way up through school, and I would row in of morning, you know, when we'd have morning practices in the winter. I'd row in with the dogs in the box, coveralls on. <clears> I'd get in there, and I'd change my stuff. My coach would be all mad, and he'd be like, what are you doing? You've laid out all night coon hunting, and you're supposed to be in here practicing. But my other teammates i mean a lot of them wasn't that bad crazy but they'd all be out partying and stuff and i yeah. didn't have no desire to do that i just wanted to go chase a dog around right which is crazy enough on its own yeah yeah they they never did understand it <laughs> yeah all right so we said we we're going to talk about this what is the difference you you mentioned it how have dogs changed since since you started coon hunting and got serious about it mm -hmm. and and where we're at today well, 
just like I said before, I mean, when I first started competition coon hunting, just about every cast, I mean, dogs would all be together. Mm -hmm. You very rarely ever see a dog that got off by itself and tree a coon. Um, but when you seen it, that's and then they would tree a coon or whatever, and your dogs had done already made two or three slicks or two or three circle trees, circle slicks, and you'd be like, man, I wish I had a dog just like circle that slick. <laughs> What's a circle slick? You tell you got to explain that one. <laughs> a slick tree that you know is one hundred percent slick, but it's probably got enough leaves on it. Or it might have a little bit of hole butt like that right there. <laughs> Enough to just get you by. Um, but They're a blessing is what they are they when are you're a in a competition. Yes, they hunt. are. 100% they're a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> and I've took full advantage of them sometimes. But <laughs> but now, uh, but when you'd always see that dog back then, it'd be sitting in there, mm -hmm. treed. It'd have a cone. You'd be like, that's... That's what I want to go after. Yeah. And um, and now everybody, that's kindly, it's kindly adapted, but it's got easier to, uh, you know, back then you just had to beat peeps. Like I said, I mean, mm -hmm. it was a little bit harder. Now you get to see almost every move that dog's making. Whether it's, Most horrible thing we ever created for coon hunting made a bunch of liars out of all of us. <laughs> right. It was the Garmin. It's like, now we're going to see how bad this dog really is. I remember the first night I hunted with one and... Uh, I was like, man, I thought my dog hunted different than that. I thought they did this. I thought they did that. And then it's totally changed mm -hmm. the way I look at it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, just like what you're saying, dog might be out there two or 300 yards. If you're just listening to that dog, it might sound like it's going up here and then coming back around or whatever. And in reality, if you're looking at that Garmin, it's just coloring in a spot. Yeah. Scribbling a dot. Scribbling a dot. Yeah. And yeah. now when we see that, we're either putting them out there with a shocker or going in there and beating them out of there. Right. One of the two. I we're, mean, that's, we're, we're running them out. We're, you know, we're putting we're pressure on them to make them move. And yep. before the Garmin's, you didn't have that option. Yeah. You just had to trust that dog. <laughs> yeah. I put a lot of trust in some worthless dogs, I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Do you think the dogs today... Um, do you think it's genetic or do you think it's training or is it a combination of both? Because I I really believe that we're seeing a higher success rate in some of these pups now. I think it's a combination of both. I think that a lot of people ain't fooling with uh, the dog that they would have back 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. That was a coon trier, no doubt. But they just didn't move fast enough, didn't mm -hmm. move like it one should, or um, they spent too much time on the ground. I mean, there's just so much nowadays that you can compare a lot of these dogs to. Mm -hmm. um, I ain't taking nothing away from some of them dogs because a lot of people, that's the style of dog they want. But as far as, um, I think it's a combination of both, of training and being better breeders. Yeah, when I'm talking training, you know, we've got better tools now mm -hmm. to train. Yeah. Just like we talked about what was a coon treer that's in there scribbling a dot on your Garmin isn't go what's going to win in a competition hunt. Mm -mm. And and so that dog is not going to be bred or shouldn't be bred. And I think a lot of people are waking up to that. They are. And um, 
it, it, it's a lot of it's a combination of both. I know I've said that two or three times here, but you have to give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the technology has changed it, and it's got it a whole lot better. I mean, now look at the price of dogs. And a lot of that has to do with they ain't many people out here training dogs no more. So when there's you do dog find sell, one. There's dogs selling for more than the horse was paid for that won the Kentucky Derby this year. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it happens every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. But, I mean, the Kentucky Derby winner this year was kind of a freak, too. So. <laughs> but that is something to compare it to, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, so let's get back to Batman. Let's talk about Batman. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, the style of dog he was, you know, let's start there. Let's start about the style of dog that Batman was. Style of dog. Or is. He. He's retired now, but when you were hunting him and pushing him. He, he would get his mouth open pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, later on in life, he kind of quietened down a lot, but he would move really good. He did. Was he a babbler or was he an honest strike dog? He was pretty honest strike dog. I mean. He would babble some when he was younger, but more when he got up. See, we quit hunting him when he was about two, a little over two, because mm-hmm. we was breeding so many females to him at the time. Because Nude had passed away, and Sugar was just getting, mm-hmm. you know, we started breeding a whole lot of females to him. Um, got to being more than what me and my brother could bear, so we ended up uh, start hunting pups out of him. Yeah. But Bat, he, he, he moved really good on the ground. He didn't spend a whole lot of time you know um on the ground at all he uh he wasn't no straight line hunter you know how you know mm-hmm. you turn him loose he wasn't just straight line in there he kind of just zigzagged and, and hunted a place out but he stayed moving constantly mm-hmm. um he would get deep but bat had a pretty good nose he was what i would call he probably is to this day probably the most well balanced dog I ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these other pups out of him, you know, their their strengths had been something a little bit more than than his was or something like that that was better than what he was. Mm-hmm. But as far as a well balanced sound, he could do about anything. You know, as far as water, um, rivers, the whole nine. You could take him up to to Indiana, Cornfields. Ohio. He could he could edge. I've uh, seen a lot of dogs come from big wood area, big woods areas like we're in here, and then come to the ag country, and they don't really know what to do with it. You mm-hmm. know, you take a dog that where there's a lot of coons, <clears throat> you need a dog that is that's if a dog's been hunted there a lot and you've raised them in that area, they learn to run those edges mm-hmm. and slash and and not spend a lot of time in cornfields because there's coon scent everywhere. But he could do that, too. Yeah. I mean, he was the first dog I had ever owned, um, or my brother ever owned, that we could load up. And we won. We didn't win overall or nothing with him, but he won his cast just about anywhere we took him. Mm -hmm. Um, That's all you can ask him to do. That's all you can ask him to do. Um, Myself, Ronnie Joe Wilson, Aaron Gray, Tony Grubb, and there was several different handlers behind him. So it just wasn't like it was just me doing it. Or my brother doing it. It was, you know, several different men doing it behind him. Right. And winning cast with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, his competition career didn't last very long. But in the short time that he was, I mean, I had him in Indiana, Ohio, you know, Autumn Oaks Winter Classic, 
the world hunt. Um, he won his cast at all of them. Yeah. So, I mean, you couldn't never knock him as far as he was just a consistent dog. Yeah. Just a well-balanced, consistent dog. Did he? And so evidently traveled good. Yeah. Traveling didn't seem to hurt him. That's no. one of the things that really breaks down a lot of these competition coon dogs is they're all, they all look pretty good behind the house, but when you start putting them on the road, Mm-hmm. and running up and down the road with him it wears on him yeah. it wears on me as a as a person you know being on the road all the time uh but he seems like he traveled well yeah, he did he mm-hmm. did and i mean that's going going back to what i was saying you know some of these pups out of him like superman he didn't travel you'd always have to show up a day ahead yeah and kind of get his foolishness out of the way and then then hunt him same way with Flo, the one that you've seen down in mm-hmm. black and tan days you might have to go a day ahead of time, hunter, and then let everything, all the foolishness go away, and then then you'll get her mm-hmm. <laughs> in her element. Uh, those two plots I got right now, they you got to show up about a week in advance to get all the foolishness out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I've traveled, I've done some pretty big road trips with them. I was on the road for a month straight. You know, living out of that dog box and stuff, just all over the West and back here. And some dogs just travel well, mm-hmm. you know. It's, yeah. it's it's one of those unique things. So, what are the pups out of Batman doing? You got, uh, you got any big success stories? What kind of pups have come out of him that are doing some winning? Oh, there's so many. I, I mean, if I Obviously, got to try you're on, the his, you're on the historical list. You got pups that are winning. Um, I know if I started trying to mention in names and pups, I'll leave somebody out and mm-hmm. make them mad or whatever. But, um, I mean, one of his pups is on the current reproducer. I think he's number one on the current reproducer. Let's Re- look. I've got it's, it right uh, here. Gilman's Kentucky Rebel. And then, um, three, uh, I think there's three or maybe four females that's on the current reproducer out of him right now. Rebel is number one, mm-hmm. and then the females. I'm going to scroll down to females. All right, let's see. Let's see how well you can do here. How, what what females are on there? Uh, should be Singer is one of them. Um, you're talking current. Yeah, current. Yep. Singer. Yep. Coulter, soul singer. Um, I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah. And Here, you look at it and you tell yeah. me what's on there. Bella. Barnes' is Midnight Bella. She's out of him. Uh, Gilman's Late uh, Night Gypsy. That's the three. Yeah. And how many dogs are listed on that right now? Six? Um there's six. Ten. There's ten, ten on there. Ten of them? Yeah. So three out of ten are out of Batman. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the reproducing of carrying, you know, him carrying on his legacy through his pups, I mean, they're mm-hmm. obviously reproducing. Um, and then you have, you know, I think there's three uh, dogs out of him that has won the high score in black and tan at the World Hunt, mm-hmm. which one of them would be Superman, one of them would be Rebel, um, other one would be Flo, the one I have. Mm-hmm. And then you have Superman. He won the Triple Crown back in 2018. And um, 
there's been a pup you know superman one king of hunt black and tan days back in 19 then there's been uh, some grand pups out of him that's won it mm-hmm. so i mean i mean i know i've just named three or four of them right there but the there's also been several other ones. Yeah. That is, you know, either won the Perina race, like Joker won the Perina race one year. Um, there's just several. What's your favorite cross with Batman? Oh. If you if you could go back and and pick one, you know, if like that's the one I wanted out of. It would have to be out of Superman's bomb because I done what all I done with <laughs> Superman. But I raised two of them pups out of that litter. I raised. Uh, kentucky river super sting which glenn owns glenn young owns now uh, i'd actually give him to my buddy aaron gray flop mm-hmm. and then he sold him to uh glenn um but them two pups was just naturals yeah i mean yeah they 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 was just so easy to start uh once sting, sting ended up started he, he just went from nothing to doing it all on his own how old was he when he started he was about 10 months old when he started superman started a little bit younger than him but once sting started he just he just flipped the switch yeah he just flipped the switch and he was right up there with superman if not ahead of him at a a certain time frame so it it just goes from nothing to acting like he's been doing it for a year Mm -hmm. yeah i wonder what i wonder what causes that i have no clue Man, if we could figure that out. <laughs> but I would say that cross, um, just because I had so so much success with Superman out of that cross, I mean, mm-hmm. I would have to say that would be my one that I would have to go back to. Yeah. Nothing wrong with any of the other ones because, I mean, uh, uh, there's been several other good crosses out of him. So you guys only hunted him until he, Batman until he was about two years old? Mm-hmm. He was a little over two. Okay. So why in the world would anybody come down here to breed to bat with, you know, you, you said you didn't win any, win any big hunts with him. What was it about him that made people come down here to breed that many females to him? I still don't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, only thing, and, I, and I've told this to many others, it's – just lord's just blessed us Mm -hmm. there is no question about it um why he picked me and my brother to to do this stuff with batman i have no clue yeah it's just been a blessing uh something that i obviously do not deserve none of it (laughs) yeah (laughs) but he ended up doing it and I, i don't know why i don't know why people bred to him it might have been a combination of Chigger was coming up and doing the stuff that she was doing on her end and then Newt passing away early. I don't know. But you obviously, you know, you had Blackhawk right there that was doing a whole lot of winning at the time. Yeah. Um, And Blackout. There was several other ones out of Newt Mm -hmm. that was doing a lot of winning. Why they chose Batman, I I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful that they did. Sure. But, you know, I don't know the reason. Yeah. All right, well, well, I got another question for you, and this is kind of away from – this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be a tough question. So do you consider yourself – this This will be the easy part of the question. Do you consider yourself a, a coon hunter or a competition coon hunter? And do you see a difference in the two? Yeah, I mean, 
I would probably consider myself more towards the competition coon hunter because I think if I ever quit competition hunting, I don't know if I would continue to coon hunt. Mm -hmm. Just for the simple fact, because I enjoy so much of getting a dog ready. Yeah. Don't matter if I hunt the dog or not All in right. the hunt. Um, I enjoy getting a dog competition ready. Well, you just came off the biggest win of your career. Oh, well, your son did. <laughs> well, my son, yeah, <laughs> Maxon. What he what, tell us what he won? He won first place youth on Friday night. Um, a black and tan, black days. and tan days. He just turned six year old on the twenty eighth of April. Um, didn't even have no desire into doing that hunt. Um, he had been with Josh Renfro and his little boy all weekend mm -hmm. up to that day. And I took him pleasure hunting the night before. And that's kind of what I had in mind. You know, he, he goes hunting with me around home with squirrel hunting and coon hunting both. But, you know, he don't know necessarily what's going on or mm -hmm. what or nothing. Um, so I just was planning on just taking him pleasure hunting. So we'd done, done that the night before. He was all fired up. Goes back uh, Friday night when we all taking entries and he's not leaving that youth table. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's he's at that youth table. I mean, he's went outside a little bit, but most of the time he's over talking to Josh Renfro and them. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm helping put out the guides for the hunt and taking up entries and stuff. And he comes over to me and he said, Dad, I want to go coon hunting. I said, yeah, we'll go coon hunting after a while, son. I said, let me get get done he said no i want to go hunt and hunt i'm like <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> uh, we'll go coon hunting but i don't know about that well he whines a little bit he's still in that whiny stage and he goes back off well chris knighty he come up to me and he said are you gonna let your son hunt that youth hunt i said dude there's no way <laughs> he's not gonna be able to hold up for an hour and a half yeah and uh he just laughs at me he said, you want me to get you a slip or not? He said, you might as well just let him go. I said, well, go and get me a slip, and I signed him up. And I asked Josh right before we left, I said, what exactly am I allowed to say <laughs> or do or anything along them lines to help him? I said, because, you know, he said, I understand. He said, he's young. He said, with this younger age group, you know, you can't tell them to strike and treat their dog, obviously, but mm -hmm. you can, you can like hint around and this, that, and the other. Right. So for 15 minutes to the woods, I'm sitting back here with a six-year-old working on him like, all right, <laughs> if, if daddy says this right here, you can do this. Or, you know, <laughs> trying to just come up with something where he'll enjoy himself and he won't be embarrassed. Yeah. Well, when we get out there and he's walking across this cornfield and it's plowed up. He's struggling with the dog anyway. He's just getting into the woods, and I'm letting him. He's wanting to do all of it on his own. Yeah. So we get over and we cut loose. He's over there. He's throwing sticks. He's throwing sticks at the other kids. He's, <laughs> he's talking to them, saying, hey, there's a dog barking. And I'm just like, how am I going to talk one of these guys into going in there and getting my dog and me taking this youngin' back to the truck? <laughs> And these other dogs, they go over there. Flow's never open. They go over here and they get treed. And uh, <laughs> go in there and they miss a coon by a tree. Well, 
they circle up. Well, now he's kind of fired up, like, you know, all these kids is training their dogs, and where's my dog at, Daddy? Right. Well, she's on in there deeper. I'm looking at the garment. She still's never open. And um, we get them dogs off that tree, and we recut them. The walker dog opens up right-handed, and she opens up. And I said, hey, do you hear your dog? And he went, strike flow. <laughs> I mean, just out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, hey, listen to me. <laughs> And uh, she goes on in there and she locates. And I said, hey, you hear your dog? Tree flow. We go in there and she's got a coon. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here here in my mind like, he's he's winning this thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it just hit, hit home to me that he's winning. And now you're getting competitive. <laughs> now I'm starting to get the competitive <laughs> edge. So we recut them. And uh, I can't remember if she struck in second or third or whatever she struck in for. And um, I said, you hear your dog or whatever? And he said, yes, strike flow. And in the meantime, every time he'd say strike flow, I'd tell him to go up to the judge to tell him. He'd go up to Dave uh, Myers and get a hold of his jacket and just yank it. Say, hey, you hear me? (laughs) (laughs) And um, she had a den tree that time. She got split got treed other dogs come in there and covered her uh she had a den and then we recut them off that the walker dog didn't cover he went on in there and got treed again and he was treated out of a tree that went over the the creek Mm -hmm. and at that time i didn't have a stopwatch on me i didn't know how much time was left in this thing because i thought i was going to go back to the truck at any moment right and me and Josh Renfro was taking times about of carrying him on her back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it was just one of them deals like, why am I out here? But I'm glad I'm out here now. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but after that, that buzzard went off, I'm telling you, I've been blessed to win a whole lot in my lifetime, but that is by far the best win I've ever been a part of. Yeah. Was he excited? Was Max oh, Lord, excited? Yeah, he's talked more crap than. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the he's got that start part down. Oh huh? yeah, he's he's got gonna that. make a great competition hunter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've had to calm him down a couple of times, but yeah, he, he's yeah. talked more crap than law allows. <laughs> oh man! All right, here's the tough part of the question. So, if you consider yourself a competition coon hunter, with all the all the dogs that are winning you look around the hunts there aren't a whole lot of black and tans doing it mm-hmm. why did you stick with black and tans instead of going to some of the other walker breeds and stuff you know the those lines of dogs that that are i mean they're just dwarfing us in the hunts oh yeah um i honestly i mean i guess you could say i've just been so blessed the Lord's blessed me so much with these black and tan coon hounds. It's just hard for me to to leave them. Loyalty. And, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed enough to find dogs that I've been able to compete with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess whenever it comes a day that I can't find that, then, yeah, I might venture out somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I mean, my buddy J.R. Gray, I mean, he just won the world hunt in 18 the same year i won the triple crown uh won akc world hunt and then he just turned right around one tournament champions two weeks ago right. um and i hunt with him a whole lot mm-hmm. um i i could hunt a walker at any moment and a good one and 
in some of his stuff, and I'm not trying to say it to blow his head up, is <laughs> <laughs> some of the best walkers I've been in the hills with in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I see it. And it's just like I've told him. I mean, it's just the same thing of what I've seen with Batman. I mean, I've seen it with Willie mm-hmm. and his pups. Um, and I could go and get me one at any moment, but I just, it's just hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I hunted back when Flo was going through her heat cycle deal there last year, and I had to end up breeding her. Um, I ended up hunting uh, a pup out of Willie for a good friend of mine that lives pretty close to here, mm-hmm. uh, Kendall and Zach Norris. It's actually the dog that J.R. hunted the year before quite a bit and done a little winning with. Um, I enjoyed my time hunting him, but it just wasn't the same. Yeah. It just wasn't the same as having a black and tan. Well, we, we've talked, we talked about this a little bit, you know, on the ride up here about coon hunters being, and houndsmen in general, were tribalistic. Mm -hmm. You know, we always hunt the toughest places, you know, we always hunt the best dogs. And once we get into that, that mindset, then it's hard to, hard to move us out of that. And with Batman, you know, you've got so much invested there. Mm-hmm. You know, you had a great dog, number one historical reproducer. You're producing what you want. How many generations are you into Batman stuff now? Third, fourth? I mean, I'm still just hunting direct pups off of him. You know, Flo is a direct pup off of him. Superman, I just retired him. But he was a direct pup off of him. Um, I'm just now starting some pups out of Superman. Mm-hmm. I started one and let my buddy Tyson Lawson take him, and he won performance dog of the year with him this year. Mm-hmm. And he was a pup off of Superman. So you really so, haven't got into that phase yet because Batman's still alive and you can still – is he still reproducing litters? Yeah, well, I bred him here about 40 days ago now, and I got a text message last week and said that guy said that he's going to have pups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's fixing to be 14, but he's still – healthy and alive yeah. and i mean he acts like he's two year old <laughs> yeah you go up there and he's just bouncing around um still getting pups um no i i mean i've not transitioned myself I, I mean i probably should have but i just ain't have you had him collected yeah Mm-hmm. so you can you can have pups out of him for years to come then yeah i mean i probably won't do nothing with it right away you know but is there a reason why you haven't, you know, you haven't taken like a uh, one of your females that's out of bat and bred just and then started pups out of that, or why you haven't started pups out of Superman? Well, you know, to see what you see what you can do three, gen, you know, the third generation down. Well, I guess it'd be second generation down from me. Well, I mean, I have took. I mean, my bro, me and my brothers took Ivy and bred her to Big Top and Timber and. A couple of these other stud dogs. Um, I've took Flo and let her, you know, bred her to a couple other ones. Uh, I bred her to my my brother's stroke race dog, which done a ton of winning at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we bred her to one of David's dogs, and I let him raise the litter. And it, there ain't no reason or rhyme or reason why I haven't started any of them pups out of them. i just been so consumed and trying to just hunt the bigger hunts and focus on one dog and um i've not started a whole lot of pups in the last six seven years you're Um, a busy time right now it's gonna get busier for you too i can tell you that if 
with the kids and everything, yeah. it's just been overwhelming, and I ain't been able to start nothing. Not multiple dogs like I used to could. I, I just ain't been able to do that. Yeah. And I'm. I mean, obviously, I don't live in you know Indiana or or somewhere that's been blessed with coon population. <laughs> um, and it's hard to start. It's all right rainbows here. and lollipops up there. I mean, there's a coon up every other tree. No, I, mean, it's I know easy. better than that. <laughs> That's what everybody thinks about when they oh, think yeah. about it. That's every I talked about tribalism and, and we always hunt the toughest places wherever we live, not in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's all it's all the walking is downhill. <laughs> you know, it, it's never it's never bad. It's never cold. It's always a perfect temperature and the coons are always moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know better than that. I I've been in a lot of times I've went up there and not treed but one or two coons in a night when you're thinking well we should treat six or seven <laughs> have you ever walked across one of those muddy bean fields up north of richmond yeah in the in the winter time when the beans are out yep man that gumbo mode piles up on those boots and you wish i mean you've only got a 200 yard walk back to the truck and you wish somebody'd pick you up with a helicopter yeah. and get you out of there it's almost like you got two cement blocks on you oh yeah yeah but down where i live i mean it's it's just like your country right here mm-hmm you know, that southern Indiana side. What else you got, Micah? What do you think? I don't know. Man, well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you sitting down and talking to us about Batman and and just coon hunting in general. Well, I sure do appreciate you having me. Yeah. It's, it's an honor. Well, we'll see how big of an honor it is. How See if you get any hate mail for being on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, I... I I look forward to seeing what you guys can do down the road. I'd, I'd give you some advice. I know your life's going to get get busy, not that you need any advice from me, but, don't, man, don't lose what you got. You know, if you get if you like what you're getting, you know, try to hang on to it however you can, mm-hmm. even if you got to get some buddies to hunt some dogs for you when the kids are playing sports and stuff like that. Well, I, I have uh, Leonard Young helps me a whole, whole lot with yeah. that and um i'm fortunate and blessed to have him help me because there's been a lot of times i can't go to a hunt or i have an entry or i need to go to this hunt and i can't and i can most of the time call him leonard other than in horse show season which is right now now he likes showing them horses but yeah. now um he, he helps me out a whole lot that's good that's mm-hmm. good well mike i appreciate it man well yeah um if you don't care, I'd like to say a few thanks to some people. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell uh, Tony Grubb and Aaron Gray, my brother, first and foremost, I want to thank them for everything they've done. You bet. And uh, and other people like J.R. Gray and Brian Reese and Jimmy Reese and uh, Dean Miller, um, Mike Crockett, um, David Gilman, Jeff Woods. I mean, you're going to have a podcast with him here in the day or two. Yeah. Or it might be before this one. I don't know. But yeah. he is he is one heck of a man. Yeah. He took Batman up there for me and my brother and kept him for about three years and bred females to him. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's been a big blessing to this family. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff's a good dude. He is. He really is. He's good. I, I hit it off with Jeff when I first started hunting with him. We've. We'd be hunting in that same clubs up and down the western side of Indiana and the eastern side of Illinois, you know, and then I'd run into him at always a good time, anytime we were around. Yeah. And Dag Gummit had a little technical error right there, but 
rest assured folks the only person that was left talking on that thing was me and you hear from me all the time make sure you're checking out all of the houndsman xp episodes all week long we release monday wednesdays and fridays we've got everything from the truth with steve burkholder wednesdays is the uh, journey with heath hyatt and lauren and seth are throwing it in there with an episode called all mixed up we appreciate you make sure you're following us on social media check us out on go wild i'm running that account under my name chris powell on go wild but our podcast is over there too if you log the time that you listen to the podcast on go wild between now and june 30th your name's going to go in the hat every time you listen every time you log your time for a dakota 283 g3 medium kennel we're going to draw that at the beginning of July, and we're going to ship it straight to your house. All you got to do is go to Go Wild, log your time. Your name goes in the hat every time you do that. Till next time, folks, you follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine.